Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, everybody. And Jason. Hey, everyone. We're back. I didn't die. Yay! He's COVID-free and still breathing. Yes. I just feel like we need to give context to last time, so I was COVID-free, but I had a really bad allergy attack mid-episode. Uh-huh. And thanks to the magic of editing. It's not as bad you as won't it. Yeah. Here where Dustin actually died on the floor and then we gave him the vial of reanimator liquid. <laughs> <laughs> and then he tried to perform cunnilingus on me, which was really Whoa. weird. Ooh. Whoa. Um because you know, worth a shot. I mean, yeah, yeah I never know. I never know till you try. <laughs> wow, that's um. Jason's motto. Never know until you try. We've got a listener episode today, and we're super happy about this one. It goes back to the very first listener request we ever received. The yeah, o- the OG, the OG, the first one. So we want to say thank you to Robert. Rob, I don't know. I don't know which way to say your name. We'll say Robert for now. Say it's Robert. More formal. We'll be respectful. Yeah. Uh, from Robert, yes, and he suggested we check out It Follows from 2014. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dig into that. I assume it's going to have a lot of interesting things to talk about. So I, I don't, how I many had, pages of notes do you have? Um, not as many as last time, but quite a bit. <laughs> I only saw, I hadn't seen it since 2014. Me either. I forgot it came out that long ago. I was thinking yeah. it was more recent for some reason. And then I remembered, oh, time has no meaning anymore. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> In pr- post-COVID yeah. time. Times a flat circle. Flat circle. <laughs> uh, but first, of course, we're going to warm up and talk about what we've been watching. Uh, and I don't have a shout out this time, I'm afraid. That's okay. That's Things okay. Have been You've going, been busy, been yeah. working really hard. You had the post COVID thing mm-hmm. going there. Uh, most of your organs replaced and became mm-hmm. General Grievous for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> General Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but we are part of the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, and we love it. There's thousands of hours of great content that you can fill your ear holes with. Yeah, I got a good idea. How about some of you recommend what we should be listening to on the network? If there's anything you guys have been uh, listening to you dig that we haven't mentioned, that Dustin hasn't mentioned, let us know. Yeah, guide my hand as I explore the world of prescribed films. <laughs> mm, uh, phrasing. Uh, I like it. Guide my hand as I explore. Whoa! Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, we love it. Super cool. Yeah. What have you guys been watching? I, I'll go first. Jason. I watched Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Ah. Oh, okay. I'm really interested in that one. Um, I liked it quite a bit. Mm. Quite a bit. It's pretty fun. Uh, Michelle Yeoh's great. She's always great. But she really gets to be funny here. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that of her too much. It's one of the things she talked about in interviews about that movie is that she finally got a chance to do a comedic role, which she's always felt that she could do. Oh, mm-hmm. totally, yeah. And, and I because we've been cheated all these years for and not doing one. Because she is Michelle Yeoh, everybody's like, no, 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 no. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna kick some ass. Yeah, you gotta be the action. We star. don't really need you to do comedy. Uh, it's great, and uh, Kihu Kwan's in it, and we haven't seen him in ages. Mm-hmm. I guess he was semi-retired or something, but he, he played short round. He was in Goonies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. he's really good. It's a shame he hasn't really been acting much. I heard he has a big like action scene. He does, yeah. Because yeah. I was reading about how he even did some of the stunt work for it himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the scene in the office? Yes. Mm-hmm. I have seen that. Yeah. That's great. It's pretty good. That's like full-blown Jackie. Yeah. Like, just hardcore, old-school Jackie Chan stuff. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun. Uh, Stephanie Sue's in that, too, and she's really good. She's on The Marvelous Miss Maisel. I don't know if anybody watches that or not. Oh, yeah. 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 I do. Uh, I do not. 
It's good. Yeah, it's you should watch it. It's, it's a good show. It might be your thing. It won't okay. be your thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it, okay. Common complaint of mine. It does go a little bit long, but it's so kinetic and kind of hyper. <laughs> After a while, you're kind of like, okay, I'm tired. You know, can we wrap this up? It's kind of like, you know. It's the first time you've heard that. Yeah. Can I ask you a technical question? You may. How many other worlds do they go to in the multiverse? Uh, well, that's kind of hard to keep track of. Cause some yeah. of it's like really fast, just mm-hmm. like snippets. I mean, would you give me an estimate for distinct uh, worlds that they go to? Uh, I, 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 eight to ten off the oh. top of my head. So what you're saying is it actually is more of a multiverse of madness <laughs> saw what he was than Doctor Strange that, yeah. multiverse of madness. Well, I'm afraid I cannot answer that because I have not seen the Doctor Strange. It's the three-verse of madness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, te- it is technically a multiverse. This has, very, this has a lot more multiverses than... It's more than two, so I guess it... Yeah. Well, I mean, even two is a multiverse. But yeah. I would probably label it like a duo-verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like a trio-verse... And probably four up is where it gets weird saying it like a quattro verse or whatever. So then you go to multiverse. Mm-hmm. That just seems like the more logical thing to do. <laughs> uh, but no, if, you, if you dig action, oh Jamie Lee Curtis too. Yeah, she's great in this. Um, if you dig action, if you dig comedy, if you like kind of weird, more high concept movies, watch it. You'll dig it. It's a lot of fun. I've been excited about that one. I just haven't had a chance to watch it. I think I'll like it a lot. I'll be honest. I don't know why the trailer kind of put me off. It had like, I don't know, something about its vibe didn't gel with me. And I was waiting for one of you two to watch it mm-hmm. to see what you said. So now maybe I'll circle back around. I like it a lot. I think you should watch it. It's also okay. A24. Yeah, no, but. So, I mean, I A24, if they put their name on it, I'll at least watch it. <laughs> they put their name on it. <laughs> I mean, what else are they going to do? I dig it. Okay. I actually I laughed at this more than I do most straight, you know, up comedies that are made these days. Oh. There's this great play on the movie Ratatouille. I won't spoil, but <laughs> it makes no sense. I know, <laughs> but when you watch the movie, it's it's freaking hilarious. I love Ratatouille. So okay. Ratatouille is good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll go. I'll go, go next. Okay. Yeah. I feel like you're never last in the order, Michael. So we'll we'll put you last. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're just gonna be disappointed, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna march out one of my COVID watches. Also, a little bit of a special watch. So I checked out Island of Death, directed by Nico Mastarakis <laughs> from 1976. And I watched this because, Jason, you gifted this to me for my birthday, mm-hmm. which was during my COVID quarantine. It's a great movie for a COVID fugue fever <laughs> state. It was. And it was great because it was like, you were like, hey, I got you a gift. And I was like, just worry about it later. And you're like, no, I'm going to come over, bring it, and leave it on your porch. So then I check it, and I'm like, what is this movie, huh? He made sure it wasn't a flaming sack of shit first. Um, and then I looked it up, and I, everyone's talking about, like, the he, you know the dude, like, rapes a goat in it. And they're, like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's so terrible. This movie is filth. It's the worst thing ever. And so I'm reading all these reviews, and that's all they're focusing on. And so I'm thinking this is going to have, like, a 20-minute, like, drawn-out graphic, like, yeah. dude fucking the goat scene. <laughs> And then I watch it, and this is going back to your thing, Jason, about like extreme horror, quote unquote. Right. Um, wasn't that bad? Like, no. It's so short, and they don't show anything, and it's right. just all suggested. It makes me wonder sometimes. I don't know. I guess I guess some people, even the idea, puts them right. Off, it's but. it's the concept itself that disturbs mm-hmm. so many people, and they just won't. 
they won't give it a shot. They won't give it a chance. They won't. They won't give a fuck. <laughs> look, look, if you, yeah, I'm not even. Gonna um, there's nothing you can nothing say. It's gonna come out okay. But scrolling through my letterbox, like people I follow that have reviewed it, I see a lot of one stars. Um, and even overall, I think it's got like a two point eight. So it's not the most beloved film, I guess, but. I actually liked it quite a lot. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to take seriously because it's so over the top. Oh yeah, it's you know it's a British couple. They're on a vacation on a Greek island, and at first it seems like this nice, fun, like newlyweds having a good time, and then you rapidly find out they're like crazed, deviant serial killers just on a spree. Yeah, and they're only here to try to like lay low and lose the heat they've built up everywhere else. It's like if John Waters directed an actual horror film. That's what this movie is like. Mm-hmm. super crazy some hilarious parts and like even the ending like if it puts you off for all the like vile shit they do there is a comeuppance at the end <laughs> and it's a pr- pretty brutal one yeah um it also made me think a lot of natural born killers i don't know why just that like you know couple Tarantino had to have seen this. yeah had to have just like that couple out on a rampage yeah living large um, super fun. Maybe go check it out if you like extreme or more extreme stuff. Yeah, and, it is violent and gory and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're into goat fucking. Yeah. If you're into goat fucking, um, there won't be enough to satisfy you, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> you're going to find better elsewhere, I guarantee you that. Um, yeah, but I liked it. How many stars did you give on Letterboxd? I gave it four stars, actually. Nice, yeah. nice. was quite pleased. Awesome. Michael, it's up to you. Well, mine's a lot more wholesome, than, and there was no goat fucking. In in mine was there goat lovemaking? Uh, no, <laughs> no, there wasn't. Um, <laughs> I like that you <laughs> that you're insinuating that like there was no love between that man and that goat. Oh, uh, there was no love. Oh, I mean, true. he did pick it up and pack it around a little bit first and was like petting on it. Yeah, so. but he slits its throat right after. So. Oh, oh God. spoilers! God. Oh, sorry, I spoiled the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Okay. Um, I watched the Bob's Burgers movie. Yay! Um, I didn't get to see it in the theater because I still am not comfortable in theaters. So um, I mostly just wait for everything to hit VOD. This one specifically hit Hulu and HBO Max at the same time. Mm. Um, I watched it as well. I fucking loved it. It was funny. It was good. It's, I mean... It's just a, like a really long episode. That's what I was going to ask. Cause I feel like with TV animated show movies, it's like they either just do like a long episode or they try to blow it up into something big. No, it was a higher concept story mm-hmm. than 25 minutes will allow them, you know, in an yeah. episode. Um, what really threw me was how quality the animation was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of shadows in places that you've never seen them before in, mm-hmm. in the show. A lot of smooth, fluid motion. Um some great musical numbers, which is one of the things I've loved about the last couple seasons of Bob's Burgers. Is when they just randomly have musical numbers. They're just, I don't know. It's yeah, just they're great. They've always done. Um, I thought it was a ton of fun. Uh, Piper didn't like it as much. Really? Um, yeah. What's she her was, problem? I think it was because it was so long. It's she, like an hour and a half. Well, but she also really only likes to do like two oh. episodes of Bob's Max, like in a sitting. <laughs> okay. Um, and then she starts to lose interest in it, which I get because mm. the type of comedy it is, it's some people can binge it, others not so much. But right. but I do think it's best enjoyed in small quantities. I agree too, but I didn't I didn't feel the movie was too much of an overblown episode to get tired of it myself. No, I was right there with you. She didn't care for it as much as I did. Mm. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. The best part is it's streaming on Hulu and, and HBO Max, so both, you know, 
depending on which one you have. Um, you don't have to have seen uh, the the like any of the episodes to really get it. I think you'll get a lot of the jokes more because there's a lot of little throw-in jokes. Right. Um, but actually had a really heartfelt moment too, which Bob's does great when it really wants to. So I don't know. I loved it. I was super excited to finally watch it. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Good one to end on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Happy feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so today we are doing our listener episode on It Follows. Oh, shit. I think I screwed up. Because, oh, I, I watched a porn parody, It Swallows. Uh, does that exist? I hope it does. <laughs> <laughs> if not, I mean, do your thing. It's out there, you know. You know what? Take it. That's for you. It's a freebie. Out yep. there to take. <laughs> Just send me a free copy. Just, yeah. just like my Juan box of grudges that I pitched over on Unsung Wars. <laughs> box of grudges. Yeah. Just make sure you don't charge me when, when you when you put it out. At least give me a, a credit. In yeah, there somewhere. Right, right. It's the closest you'll ever be to starring in a Based on the idea by. <laughs> Jason from Genre Exposure. Could you actually leave Genre Exposure out of that? We don't want that in there. Just Jason. <laughs> no last name either, just Jason. Just Jason. <laughs> Actually, Jason. that fits. That really fits. It Swallows, based on an idea by a guy named Jason. Um, this came from Robert. We thank you so much for this suggestion. You were our first suggested listener episode ever that we received. And it didn't happen for a while. Oh, wait. This isn't the director, David Robert Mitchell, is it? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Are we sure? I am positive, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Um, and you know, this guy that suggested it, he does still like interact with our stuff on social media, so it seems like he's still out there, so thank you, man. Yeah, Love thanks, you. dude. That's awesome. He might not listen to the show anymore, but he interacts with social media. He long gave up on the show. Well, maybe he'll notice it follows and be like, oh. I think I recommended that to those guys. <laughs> you have to get past the goat fucking first. Um, and it was really a like momentous suggestion, because even, even though we didn't do it first... The fact that it was suggested made me go to think and put uh, Under the Silver Lake into the mix. Mm -hmm. Just to piss Jason off. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't hate that movie. (laughs) And you know, now that we're doing this, there's only one more David Robert Mitchell film, and we have done the whole set. So, What is the other one? Uh, It's the first one he did. Was it the the Myth of the Great American Sleepover or something like that? Yeah. Is that like a, what is it, a comedy or something? Yeah, it's like a comedy uh, drama kind of thing. I was pretty yeah, excited. Yeah, the myth of the American sleepover. I was actually pretty excited to do It Follows when we did it, because just recently with Jordan Peele's new movie coming out, Nope, mm-hmm. um, he's been in some interviews and people were asking him, like, what's your, like, what are your top five favorite horror films? And It Follows is in his oh, nice. top five, which makes total sense because... Oh, yeah. You can see, like, elements and connections there, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. It just has that same, that same feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think we had all seen It Follows before. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had. Okay. But uh hadn't seen it since 2014. So I hadn't either. I watched it the first time. I think I blind bought it the second it hit Blu-ray and, and like watched it that very day. I'm pretty sure I remember it. It did some... I think it hit some rounds like at the circuit festivals and stuff and, mm-hmm. made, and made a pretty big buzz. Yeah, there was a lot of hype around it. So I remember... I actually red boxed it because mm-hmm. I remember when it came out, I, I like rushed to the red box... Um, 
hey kids, remember Redbox? It's still there. Um, and it's still <laughs> probably your best value in movies. <laughs> the ever economically conscious Michael will tell you what the best value is. I'm just, I'm such a dad. <laughs> That's your best value right there. Uh, $1.25 for a Blu-ray. You may have to drive all the way across town, but you're going to save 25 cents on the Hell rental. Hell no, man. Well, now Piper won't let me go to the red box anymore because she doesn't because she said they're not sanitized so i'm just touching a bunch of weird shit oh, those i'll tell them what you're touching um so now they have their streaming mm. where you can rent to the streaming and it's actually only like four bucks to rent a movie and that's really not bad so it's also economical and you don't have to leave your home <laughs> <laughs> holy shit it's a good value um what genre is this film right it's just horror pretty much straight up do we, do we want to add any qualifiers besides that there's a bit of supernatural. Well, I mean, horror, supernatural. I mean, Look, I know of... the supernatural isn't something that's supposed to happen. But it does happen. I think it's pretty much straight horror, yeah. personally. I, mean, I, I do think it's else. worth saying there's a lot of like throwback style to it, I think. IMDb has mystery thriller, but I mean, God, those are also interchangeable. Um, along sure. with horror. It must have been up for an Academy Award. So <laughs> <laughs> mystery thriller. Uh, better give it another tag. I'm sorry, what were you saying about the style? Oh, um, it's definitely like a it's got a throwback style to it. It's reminiscent of earlier... I would say a classical style. Yes, that's a good term. Which is my preferred style. I mean, for most movies. It's not for every movie. Every movie is individual, but I just miss that old school type of filmmaking like this represents. This is very Carpenter, in my opinion. I think that was one of the director's biggest um, influences was Carpenter and Romero, he said. I mean, it makes sense. Oh, yeah, you can see it all over the film, too. Yep. Um, so shall I hit us with the synopsis? Yeah, hit us with synopsis. Synopsify for us. For 19-year-old Jay, autumn should be about school, boys, and weekends out at the lake. But after a seemingly innocent sexual encounter, she is plagued by strange visions in the inescapable sense that someone or something is following her. Faced with this burden, Jay and her friends must find a way to escape the horrors that seem to be only a few steps behind. Jason's such a child. As soon as he said sexual encounter, he's over there. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I really am. I'm, I'm just a kid. Uh, yeah. yeah. F- film opens with Jay. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I actually oh, that's forgot right. about this. When I started at this time, I was like, what the fuck is this oh, really? opening scene? Oh, I remember that opening. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that. it at all. I, oh, in really? my mind, from what I remember from the first time I watched it, it's Jay in the pool. Yeah, that's uh, what I thought too. Okay. Nope. Yeah. Interesting. But I, I know I watched it on the Blu-ray, so there wasn't any kind of like weird... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we no. see a girl running from her house and mm-hmm. screaming. And, and we're in this very quaint like suburbia... It is your typical... Yeah, suburb. It, it is so nondescript and so real. Mm-hmm. It's perfect because you see a lot of like um, you know suburbs in Hollywood, and they're like too pristine or too what's the word um, antiseptic because they're yeah. supposed to be represent like you know the everyday banal. But this looks good. It looks lived in. It's a perfect neighborhood. I'm pretty sure it's Rust Belt too. So shot in Detroit. Yeah, that's what I thought mm-hmm. was Detroit. Yeah. So, and if you want to talk about Carpenter influences, this very much has that Halloween vibe. Like oh, th- yeah. this could be that same street that they're on. Yeah, right. I thought that the whole time it definitely has that feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted that that house was actually in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this one is not in Hollywood because their their Haddonfield, Illinois, conveniently had a lot of palm trees. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason. Uh, so this girl is like in her night clothes. Mm-hmm. But wearing high heels. 
and Which, running very well. Yeah, I, I thought that same thing. Like, kudos <laughs> to that actress, man. She really put forth, and she gave it in those heels. And they were not, like, just heels. They were fucking heels. Yeah, and she's looking behind. Like, it looks like she's being followed by something, chased. She's looking behind. We don't see anything. Um, But what? Do you, why the heels? I don't know. Maybe she was preparing to go out, perhaps. But why would she have her heels on first? Good point. Was she at her parents' house? Yes, because her father comes out after her. Mm -hmm. That's right, okay. Because she runs out at first, and then she like circles back Mm -hmm. and gets in the car. Gets in the car and drives off. Yeah, I don't know. When you ask that question, I don't know why. The only thing I can think of, my idea is that, because the night clothes she's wearing look kind of youngish like something a younger child might wear yeah but she's got heels on so i think it's like that intersection between childhood and and womanhood which this movie plays with that a lot right and that's kind of the whole theme so maybe this is sort of a setup yeah like that idea Yeah, here's our thesis uh yeah but she hops in the car and she drives and just drives and drives and drives and you can tell she's just panicked Mm mm-hmm it's a great shot, too. I kind of want to bring up the way that's shot, because you see her run in, mm-hmm. no cuts. Like, oh, yeah, it's if all there, like if, take. If there is a cut, it's hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, like, stays on the house, and you really feel like you're right there with her. Which You feel like you're a neighbor. You're like a voyeur. It, yeah. The, yeah it's like you're across the street, that's and you're a like, very good point. going yeah. on over there? And that happens a lot in this movie. And that you, it's a lot of watching. Uh, you feel it's very Hitchcockian mm-hmm. in that way. Uh, rear window kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Or the burbs, if you want to go for that one. <laughs> yeah, you could. You could. <laughs> so she drives till she gets to the ocean, apparently. Yeah. And she's sitting... Uh, what the f- Jason? What? It's not the fucking ocean. If they're in Detroit, what is it? Oh, it's Great Lake. Sorry. <laughs> it's like... I don't no. know. We don't know how far she drove, Michael. Let, let's simplify. She could have driven all the way to the Atlantic, all right? Let's simplify this. She's at a beach. She's at a beach. <laughs> she's at water. She's around she's some water. She's by some water, which is also a recurring theme in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's facing away from the water, be it fresh or salty. And, uh, <laughs> like you, <laughs> that's right. Fresh and salty. Anyway. So she's, she's on a cell phone, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it's one of the few pieces of modern technology we see in the yeah, movie. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah. Talking to her dad saying that she's sorry. Sorry. She was like a, a, a brat to him and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like, there's this hard cut to the morning. And she's dead and mangled. Mm-hmm. And I really like the shot of her on the phone because she's got the car there and she has the lights on. Yeah. And it makes this little like illuminated circle and she's kind of just in the middle of it. Right. On the phone. Right. But yeah, she dead now. Yeah, she dead. And her leg's like broken off. Yeah, it's like bent backward. And and her character's name is Annie, which if we want to make more Halloween parallels, mm-hmm. there is an Annie in Halloween. That's right. But now... Now we meet our heroine. Just kind of chilling in a backyard pool. Mm-hmm. Floating about. I think here's where we first got to talk about the score, maybe. Right? The music? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's great. By a group called Disaster Piece. It's actually one dude, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is it? It is. There's a really unfortunate thing when you try to look up Disaster Piece. They're kind of... Disaster Piece as a whole, like as, a, as an entity is there, but they're kind of that whole enigmatic type thing. Very you know? artsy-fartsy. Yeah, very mm-hmm. artsy. But there's also a group of kids called Disaster Piece oh, no. that have started a band that were <laughs> uh, 
that have their own website mm-hmm. and you can buy their shirts. Um, <laughs> and I was like, because when I pulled it, I was like, no, surely not. Because um, they talk about how their rock and grunge sounds influence just make everybody happy. <laughs> and I was like, this can't be the right thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So be careful. They're the first ones you'll get if you search Disaster Piece. They did Under the Silver Lake as well. Correct? Yes. Which did have great music. This dude is just a great composer in general. Mm-hmm. Like anything that Disaster Piece shows up on, I'm like, yes, the music's going to be it's very 80s. It's kind of synth wavy. It's very uh, Carpenter. Kind of Angelus. Carpenter esque, <laughs> yeah. Also had uh, reminded me of the um, soundtrack to Come True as well. Mm. Yes. Had that same kind of vibe. The yeah. whole movie reminded me of Come True quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I definitely I think watching. Come True was probably inspired some, at least like aesthetically, yeah. from It Follows. It would be hard not to be. Mm-hmm. You know, if you made something after It Follows came out, it made such a huge splash in horror that it, it has to be inspiring to filmmakers. I mean, because it's, I mean, spoiler, it's really good. It was fairly profitable, too. It made like $23 million against a $1.3 million budget. Oh, I see, yeah. So, like, you know, any any good horror film should make a good profit. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we see Jay, we learn her name is shortly, floating around in the pool. Uh, just chilling. Just chilling. There's a couple of pervy kids, younger kids, I, that are... I object to the term pervy. <laughs> um, no, total pervy they after what you see later. Pervy kids. When he's looking through that the That was window. a little over the top, yes. That, I, I will grant you that is a little over the top. <laughs> <laughs> a little over the wow. top. Jason's uh, scale of pervy is... So you're telling me when you were a kid, you never looked at like a cute girl at, next door or something? I did not go hide in the bushes and look at her while she's in the pool, no. <laughs> I didn't have a cute girl next door, so... <laughs> or guy. Whatever. Or, or guy. I didn't have... Well, I didn't have anybody next door to go peer at or leer at. Well, there's but... your problem. <laughs> but But no, these kids are... Clearly, their parents never taught them to respect women, so... I mean, <laughs> okay. Well, 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 pump the brakes on this. I got I got to side with Jason a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> they're they're just kids uh, uh, goofing. They're curious kids looking at a pretty girl in a bathing suit. Uh, yeah. Um, her sister comes. And out. She even says, "I could see you," and she's yeah. just kind of like you know laughing it off. It's not a big We should deal. say, um, Jay is played by Micah Monroe. He's great. Really carries this movie. She's just amazing in it. The, oh, the cast is pretty good. They're yeah, all great, but I mean, like, yeah, she, it's her movie. The yeah. movie would fall apart if she wasn't as good as she is. Yeah, agreed. As this character, she really feels kind of like somebody you know, mm-hmm. which is the nice thing. Like, she's not so over the top mm-hmm. actress that it. She does feel like somebody that I would know. She's kind of a girl next door type. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her sister comes out, tells her that they've got some uh, that uh, Paul and Dana. Yara. 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 Why did I think her name was Dana? Which the sister, Kelly, is played by Lily... Oh my god, this last name. Sepe? Sepe? S-E-P-E. I hope that's She's right. also quite good. They have a fun sisterly relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but at this point, Jay's like, no, I'm not going to hang out. I'm going on a date tonight. And clearly, she's kind of hit it off with this boy. She's gone on a couple dates with her or whatever, because Katie's kind of like, oh yeah, same guy. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a dude named Hugh. Yeah, Hugh, or is his name Hugh? <laughs> Spoiler, jeez. Uh, yeah, but uh, Jay comes inside, hangs out for a little bit while they're watching TV. There is a bit of a. Uh, and I love it because they're watching like an old, old movie on TV. Just about any time you see a TV 
uh, in this film. It's like an old CRT set, usually mm-hmm. in black and white. Um, so it kind of throws you off as you don't really know what the time period is. But then you've also got Yara chilling on the couch reading. Oh, Killers from Space is what they're watching, by the way. Which I was just looking for that, Jason. Yeah. Does, uh, they end up throwing a plot foreshadowing yeah. um, in, in that little clip there. Yeah. Um, but Yara's reading from this compact, like the seashell it's compact like a that's like a e-reader, e-reader, yeah. e-reader, which don't exist. <laughs> it's so strange, but and it's like super modern looking. To yeah. You. When I saw this in the theater, that I loved the movie right then and there. From that thing, yeah, seriously, <laughs> like from the whole aesthetic, because it's it's nebulous. You don't know when it's set. Yeah. The set design is like from the seventies or eighties, and all the houses. Well, Mitchell said too something interesting it's about very it. Dreamy is he. And I will get into this because the same thing happens with Under Silver Lake. Like with Mitchell, everybody seems to kind of like want to pick apart mm-hmm. his movies and find like all of this hidden meaning and like, which is kind of the point of Under the Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. But with this one, like one of the things he said in the interview was like, this is dream logic. Like this is based on a nightmare. So it doesn't have to make sense, yeah. which I love. And we talked about that with Come True as well. Which, when you're within dream logic, like just fucking give it up. Like you don't, right. you don't have to make sense and find clues and everything. It's just it is there. Which file that away because that's going to be important later. Yeah. Um, to set up some other stuff, Yara is played by Olivia Lucardi. I love her in this film. I think she's like adorable. She's I know she's good. one of the more like lesser of the like core cast, but man. yeah, she in, she injects a lot of personality into mm-hmm. a small role. And then Paul is played by Keir Gilchrist. And Paul clearly has a thing for Jay. Like, mm. from the second you see him look at her, you know he's the awkward teenage boy who's got a big crush, and she really... And it doesn't come till later, but we eventually get a little more context, and these are, like, friends that have lived on this street, and they've grown up together, and they've always kind of hung out and moved through the same circles of people. Mm-hmm. And I love their di- I love their friend dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like, this is... I mean, I didn't really have that same friend dynamic, like... <laughs> I didn't really have a lot of friends, so yeah. You wanted to say it, I said it. I don't give a shit. Uh, so like, I didn't really get to like hang mm-hmm. with friends that way. Usually, when I because where I lived rurally, I had to like go to somebody's house, and there was always like a plan. Had to be like an event. That yeah, we were doing something, mm-hmm. and but I I like the way this is. Like, you can just tell these kids are like, yeah, I'm coming over to hang out. And that also seems kind of reflective of a bygone era. Because, I mean, how often do kids just hang out? You yeah. know, hang out and watch a movie. They're hanging out playing cards later on. Yeah. You know, no one's on the cell phone. We know they exist. We just saw one in the opening, you know. They're just hanging out. It's very mm-hmm. kind of old school. Uh, we see um, Jay's mom sitting at the table. Interesting thing they do with her is we're never going to see her. Nope. Never fully. Um, which I think is... On purpose. Um, yeah, she's a complete non-presence. But, uh, really, like most adults, there's like a yeah. non-presence in the film. Uh, but yeah, she's ba- Jay's basically saying, okay, I'm going to go get ready now or whatever. We move to a scene where she's getting ready for her date. Mm-hmm. Normal normal thing. Normal teenage girl getting ready for a date or whatnot. Uh, and then we just cut to her and Hugh standing in line uh, at a movie theater. Yep. And, oh, I have a note about this. That movie theater was super cool. Yes, it is super yes, it cool. Was. Um, it is the Redford Theater. It's a historic Japanese-style theater with a fully functioning Wurlitzer organ. 
which gets used. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That thing is beautiful. Um, and fun fact: The Evil Dead, the original film, premiered there. Because it's Detroit. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. That's uh, awesome. So I love the thing that they're. So Hugh is kind of like the. Uh, I have heard him as kind of like the Devon Sawa. I got that vibe. Yeah, and he's um, played by Jake Weary. He's kind of like that rugged, cute guy, mm. you know. But always like maybe a bit too cool. Definitely too old for her. Definitely. Um, we don't really know how old she is. No. Well, we do know she's in high school. Is that high school? I thought it was implied she's in college. I think it's college. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But the thing is, they never tell you one way or the other, really. It's left to your... The reason I thought it was high school was because of how pissed off that teacher got when she got up and left during the reading. And I'm like, no college professor gives a fuck S- about some that. Some of them would get... I've had some to get shitty about that. Oh. I really have. I'm like, I just get up and go. If I got to take a piss, I got to take a piss. I'm not doing it right <laughs> that, here. That looked like a college campus. I've never seen a high school. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's college. Look like that. All right. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> Does he's that st- ruin? He's still clearly a little older than of her. Of course, though. he's dead. Don't you know he's dead and come back from purgatory? <laughs> Obviously. Uh, <laughs> well, I still got the idea, the impression that he might have been older than her. Yeah, I think you're supposed. He's to. He's a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah, he's 21. But I think she's at least 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do, I really like this game. So he seems to be a little like on nervous edge. almost. Yeah. yeah. Nervous on edge while they're waiting in line to buy their ticket to the movie. And uh, Jay points out this game that her and her sister play where you kind of nonchalantly look about the crowd that you're in and you pick a person that you would like to be. Mm-hmm. And that if you could be that person, that's who you'd pick. And then the other person has to choose who they thought you picked and, Figure out why. And figure out why. Yeah. Um, so they they play this game. Um, I forget. Did she choose? Um, she sets it up, and then he goes first, and it's once the line has kind of progressed into the lobby. Right. She's trying to pick who he chose. Mm-hmm. And she's looking around, and she she picks this dude who's, like, making out with a girl, like, up on the stairs. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, I'd choose him. And she's like, Who? who? And he chooses this little kid yep. whose parents are like holding him to the water fountain, giving him like soda and popcorn or whatever. And and I think this is kind of our first foreshadowing for his character. As he Definitely. said, uh, as he said, that kid, I want to be the kid. Like, can you imagine having your whole life ahead of you? Like nothing expected of you. Just you've got everything ahead of you. Um, and then joking. Which is what like, someone who's about to die would say. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and then jokingly says something like, you know, he could be shitting his pants right now. I could never get away with that, which I kind of love that line. Yeah. You know, I've shit my pants before. <laughs> <laughs> you could be shitting your pants, sir. <laughs> um, so they progress into the theaters. They sit down. They're waiting for the movie to start. And um, that whirl- that there's a dude playing that Wurlitzer. It's awesome. Ooh, love it. And then Jay does her selection from the crowd. And so uh, Hugh's kind of looking around. And he's like, oh, obviously, the girl there in the yellow dress that just walked in. Jay, uh, uh, well, uh, Hugh is obviously racked mm-hmm. by that. Like, he's like, the Well, fuck? he calls it. And then Jay's like, who are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And so she points, you know, back. No, he points. Uh, yeah, he points yeah, yeah. back. And she's like. Who, who? There's no one there. And that's when Hugh's just like, oh, You can fuck. see the color like drain out of his face in that moment. Yeah. Uh, so Hugh tells her he's not feeling great. Um, and they just have to leave. Like, abruptly need to leave. So, you know, Jay doesn't really fight him. They just get up and, and go. Um, but as they're leaving, she thinks that there's something wrong. You know, she's trying to get it out of him. And he's <laughs> like, no, no, I just don't feel good. I just don't feel good. So then... 
<laughs> Tiffany rewatched this with me, and it was funny because she said, if I was on a date with someone, this would be like a red flag, and I would walk away at this point. If we go to the movies, then they flip out and don't want to stay for the movie. That would be the smart thing to yeah. do, yeah. Yeah, because she even asked, like, did you see an ex-girlfriend or something like that? And, but, I mean, God, how many people do we watch have poor relationships and there's so many red flags being thrown out all the time and you're like just fucking leave it's it's different when you're in the moment and they never do um but i I think our next scene is um jay and her sister walking somewhere they're walking through the neighborhood because uh kelly wants to smoke yeah and and the mom doesn't like to see them actually smoking or doing stuff like that another very much halloween type scene yeah but they're kind of recounting the date you know, and she's telling him, like, I don't know, he seemed like something was on his mind and, and whatnot. But she was going to give him another chance. She was <laughs> going to go out with him again. And this is where we first see um, Greg, isn't it, across the street? Yes. Yeah. Greg's bad boy. Yeah. He's washing his car. Long, his long hair. Played by uh, Daniel Zavato. Um, but uh, it, it's, I'm saying it's Kelly. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I Kelly. keep wanting to call her Katie. But Kelly gives him a wave. Like, Kelly's... And she's like, oh... She's like, hey, look over there. He gives a wave back, but it definitely wasn't for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the scene moves on. And this is when they get to the their home. Um, isn't this when they're on the porch playing cards? Yes. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this because they're playing Old Maid. Mm-hmm. And if you know the premise of that game is you have to give something to someone else to win. Right, That's sort of like the core premise. Nice. Yep. Well, and Jay's already gone back out on a date by this point because she's not playing mm-hmm. old maid with them. Um, but the kids are kind of discussing everything, talking just about life in general, and 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 Hugh and and Jay. I think they bring her up a couple times or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you do find out that they're actually um, drinking booze out there. Yeah. Which is funny. They've hidden it in a Coke can, which is also great. And Kelly kind of insinuates that like boys always just love Jay. Like they always fall yeah. for her every time. And uh, man, Paul's such a putz. Paul fucking pisses me <laughs> off in this movie. Um, but at the same time, we now have uh, Jay and Hugh doing the dirty in the back of that car. Well, first they go to out in the woods, right? Yeah, they have a little like picnic kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Start making out, go back to the car, have that sexual encounter you talked about or whatever it was. <laughs> In front of an old abandoned building, which, you know, very Detroit of you. Yeah. Um, but after after it's over, Jay is just kind of like... He's rummaging around in the trunk. Yeah. And she's laying on her stomach in the back seat. And she's just kind of like playing with a flower and talking about how she always dreamed about like her future and mm-hmm. being able to go on dates and stuff and like being with a cute boy. Uh, Hugh comes back and he's kind of like kissing her back and you think he's like being all romantic. And then all of a sudden he fucking like smothers her with some ether <laughs> or whatever, you know. Oh, is that not romantic to you? <laughs> God damn it, Jason. <laughs> uh, um, it was interesting the first time watching it right because it's kind of like well what's what's gonna happen now (laughs) and so it cuts now to where she wakes up um she's still in her skivvies uh, but she's now tied to a wheelchair Mm -hmm. and she's in that abandoned building in that abandoned building hugh's pacing around behind her like with a flashlight looking around and everything and then starts to tell her the premise of what's happening yes this is where we get the big like lore dump is that he got it from somebody else, 
Mm-hmm. He got it from some chick he met at a one night stand in a bar. Um, actually, I don't think he says it at that point. Later says on. Get later, but, same difference. Uh, but ever since then, he's been chased by this entity. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it catches you, it will kill you. Mm-hmm. And this up. entity can present itself in any way it chooses. It might choose to be somebody you love, somebody you know, or it might just be a person in a crowd. Mm-hmm. So you really never know who this person is or when they're coming or yeah. what it is. He says sometimes it appears as someone you know just to scare you more or something like that. Yeah. Um, and at this point, uh, you see a naked chick mm-hmm. walking through the building. Yep, like making full, her way up there. Full blown, full blown naked. <laughs> and and she's definitely any KKID because she was up to no good. <laughs> she's naked. And um, Hugh tells her the only way to fix this problem is to sleep with someone else and pass it on to them. Yeah. So Hugh's already like a giant fucking douchebag. Yeah. This is woo. Yeah. Not cool, dude. Red flags, man. Um. <laughs> And it, he, the whole point of this wheelchair thing is he wanted to wait for it to come so that he could force Jay to see it. Right, and so believe him. she would know he's not lying. Yeah. I mean, sure, great job, man. Thanks. <laughs> well, I actually, in the long run, I actually think that's like a smart move to do because later in the film, we see what happens... If they get the person. If, if, if you just casually kind of pass it along and the person has no concept of what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think Hugh, it happened to Hugh before, mm-hmm. um, and he learned the rules yeah. of of the game. Um, but now we cut back, and the kids are playing old maid on the porch, talking, and the car just comes sque- screeching up, and uh, Hugh gets out like frantically, drags her out, and just fucking throws her in the street and <laughs> takes off. Um. I mean, at least the dude in Animal House did it nicer and like <laughs> left her on the front step or left her in a shopping cart, I think. <laughs> I don't remember. What the fuck, man? It's Animal House. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, everybody uh, rightfully freaks out. Police are called. Mm-hmm. You know, fanfare all rolled out on the street and everything. Police are interviewing her mm-hmm. and basically come to find out that Hugh isn't at all. Who she thought. It was a fake name. He rented. They, she didn't even know where he lived. If she had an address and they checked the address and it's just an abandoned house that he was like presumably squatting in. Right. And, and he told her that he was just a, a, he didn't take her by his house because he was embarrassed of where he lived. Mm-hmm. You know, which is like a total normal. God, I've heard that a million times. Um, yeah, but uh, they checked that abandoned building too because they try to find the woman. But there's no no trace of that either. So, life presumably goes on, and the next day, Jay... She's at college. Wherever the fuck she is. <laughs> she's, she's in her college course. She's in a studious setting. <laughs> she is at a school. Yeah, a school. Uh, she sees an old woman in, like... Hospital gown. Yeah, hospital gown. Well, this is the first time we get, like, the great camera work in this film, mm-hmm. where it shows us out the window... And there's one person like walking direct at the camera POV, and it she doesn't notice it at first, mm-hmm. and then eventually it catches her eye, and it's one of those things like is that just a person like walking through the quad there right. or what? But as it gets closer and closer, that tension builds, yeah. and it just like sinks in on her. All right, I'll give it to you. The quad. Now that I think of it, it mm-hmm. does look like a college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck Thank y'all. You. Oh, you can have it. <laughs> um, 
and fun thing to toss in because plenty of horror films do this. You have the teacher teaching a thing, mm-hmm. and that thing is somehow relevant to the film. Uh-huh. So, um, Much like in Halloween. Yep. Uh, the English teacher is going over a poem by T.S. Eliot, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. I remember that one. And it's going to take too long to go into, so I'm just going to throw that poem in the show notes, but mm-hmm. it has parallels with the film. Yeah, go read it. It's a good poem. Mm. Well, now Jay realizes that this woman is like coming towards her Yep. Um, and starts to realize, oh shit, I think you might have not been lying mm-hmm. and everything. So she just gets up and busts out, and this is where that teacher can fuck right off. Because <laughs> if she needs to go, she needs to go. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, what do you want her to do? Rip ass right there in the classroom? <laughs> just like, you sound like you're speaking from experience, Michael. I, I have a college degree. <laughs> I ripped ass in the college course, yeah. I had to get right up and leave. Classroom. I had to get up and leave. Uh, <laughs> you don't recover from that, man. You drop the class and you get a new one. <laughs> Uh, so she's kind of running through the halls and she, she passes almost, some other students yeah. and she's about and one of them stops her and says something about where's your pass mm-hmm. and she says screw your pass oh wait no it's a different movie Never mind. Uh, yeah wait <laughs> where, where, what? I was like I didn't see this movie. <laughs> uh, no but she's about to leave and she turns back to look and there's this old woman coming up on her and she says hello it doesn't react but then those people yeah. she just passed are like uh hey hello? yeah <laughs> very confused <laughs> And she just storms out. Yep. Get out of there. And I think now she runs. Does she go back to her house? Yeah, she goes back home and she's hysterical at this point with fear. Right. Yeah, rightfully so. None of her friends volunteer to stay the night. Paul's. This is where Paul comes out to try to play the big hero. Yeah. And instantly where oh, I started. No, she, what it is, she goes to where they work. Because oh, some of yeah. them work at they that work little at ice cream, cream place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Because they give her an ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And Paul's like, I'll come over and help protect you. And he's trying to be the big man so he can like slip in there and be like, don't worry, baby, I got you. But Paul's just it's such pretty, a... It's a pretty good plan. But okay, I'm going to set this up now. I kind of like Paul. Yeah, I like Paul. He's all right. I don't because of what he said later. Oh, my God. The, a line that he says later really fucking Make sure you off. bring it up when we get there. Okay, yeah, we'll get there. I think I know which one it is. Um, but Paul's like, no, I'll come stay the night. You know, I'll, I'll stay up all night. Mm-hmm. I'll keep an eye on everything. Uh, Yara comes over too with her clamshell. With her, that sounds dirty, but okay. Um, <laughs> Which she's it reading. wasn't dirty until you made it dirty. <laughs> um, she is reading Dostoevsky. Yeah, the, the idiot. Yes. Um, Which put a pin in that. We'll come back to it later. Mm-hmm. Well, Jay ultimately can't sleep. I mean, rightfully so, because she's scared. So she comes downstairs. We get a little backstory now between Jay and Paul mm-hmm. um, about. That turns out they were each other's first kiss. Mm-hmm. They kind of had a thing, but then Paul like immediately turned around and kissed her sister, like right after doing that. Well, I don't so, think it was immediately right after. Yeah, they probably it was probably like one of those things where he's like, "Yeah, I'll try you out, try you out." Yeah, you know. Oh, that's in it swallows. <laughs> uh, softball pitch. I just tossed it up there, waiting for you to hit it over the fence. Hey. Oh my god. That's uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to reference that in the show notes and just have a fake... Actually, it might be real, and then we'll have to reference it. Um, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Um, but I actually really do like this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really sweet because they start talking about when they were kids and they found a bunch of porno mags mm-hmm. behind a store and like they were just they didn't understand sex. Don't don't Google that. Don't, don't Google that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. 
Uh, so they got in a bunch of trouble because they were just like had these porno mags like laid out in the middle of the lawn, just looking at them, laughing. Yeah, which as that, you do. Yeah, you still do that. Like, look at this one. <laughs> um, but then we kind of find out this is where Paul's a little more like you know, really kind of pining mm-hmm. after Jay. He's always loved her. Yeah, except when he kissed her sister. We don't know the full context of that. Hey, he kissed her sister, man. The kids, you, ki- kids kissing. What? It's not about love. God, man. We don't even know who initiated it either. Yeah, maybe she did it. Because it's it's a subtext in the plot, I think. But there's definitely some like jealousy there, I think, between the sisters. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was just debating whether or not I'd tell a certain story, and I have decided not to tell the story. So. <laughs> but, but is that is that Let's not continue. wrong, Jason? No, like, I think you're right. Everything with Greg, where it's like Kelly's clearly into Greg, but then Greg is immediately a, a fixed on Jay. And it makes yeah. this weird dynamic between them. Yeah. There's a little bit of that tension. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think now Paul gets up, right? To I think he goes to the bathroom or something. Mm-hmm. And They uh, hear uh, they hear glass breaking. Yeah, gla- yeah, exactly. Yeah, and He runs in there into the kitchen, I guess it is, and says there's a window broken in here, but I don't see anybody. Yeah, and that's when she sees. He runs up to get Yara and the others. And then, and then yeah, she, Jay's walking in there. And she sees it. <laughs> and it's this... It's pretty unsettling. Half-naked woman, and she's pissing herself. Yeah. And she looks almost like a zombie, sort of, like, dead. She mm-hmm. looks like she's been beaten. Yeah, yeah. Um, and after a thing I just watched, it kind of looked like she'd maybe been sexually assaulted. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I... In that short film I watched that I mentioned last oh, week... Oh, like, theory, yeah. Um, she'd been sexually assaulted, and she wakes up peeing herself just out of fear Hmm. and it kind of made me think like the way she was dressed the way she was disheveled like she had bruises on her face it looked like she'd been sexually assaulted Hmm. um and was coming towards her and so um she does what the only thing she can think to do and it's run up to her room yep you know and lock the door and i think of something hugh told her yeah, this is a big no-no because he said never go into anywhere that only has one exit. Yeah, he's all. That's what he says, and that I think that sticks with you through most of the movie. Yeah, because I don't, know, I don't know if he specified, but he said that it's going to come after you, but it has to walk. Yeah, it will be walking. Towards yeah, it, you. yeah, it will be slow, but it will. Always, it will come. It will come. Um, that's the tagline to it swallow. <laughs> thank, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> well, so then she makes it up to her room. Um, everybody's beating on the door, like, let me in, let me in. So she finally opens the door. And as Dana is walking... Yara. God, why do I keep calling her Dana? <laughs> I don't really don't it's know. It's because that fucking short film was Dana. God damn it. Uh, okay. um, Yara is like, no, it's me, it's Yara. Just open the door. When she opens the door, this giant, like, seven foot seven dude comes walking right behind her, which mm-hmm. apparently he is a, a twin. That's also like seven feet tall, and they oh, have wow. the world record for like being the tallest twins. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Like, nice claim to fame, I guess. Um, it's a great. It's a great visual though, because it's just Yara in the hall, and then he kind of like dips down to look in. Yeah, the it's doorway. completely overwhelming her, and uh, she freaks out. Yeah, she books it, and she goes out on her like weird not to code patio <laughs> that's like hanging yeah. out over her room, and just like fucking dives. Yep, she dives down and she runs to a nearby playground. Yeah. She bicycles to a nearby playground. And, in, her, in her underpants still. And as this is going on across the street, Greg notices the chaos. Which I think earlier, it was when Jay got dropped off by Hugh. 
they noticed it then too, and I think it's his mother that says like, "Oh, that family's always had issues." Yeah, possible little hint there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so they all find her in the playground, and it's interesting that she goes, to, she retreats to what is you know a child sanctuary mm-hmm. playground. Um, and yeah, you show not you use the uh, use the douchebag. Uh, they're all consoling her, Greg, and Greg. she's very concerned about whether they believe her or not. She's starting to get that, like, I, am I crazy vibe yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, Greg shows up, and he's, you know, just kind of macking, really, yeah. more than anything. Like, hey, baby, don't worry, I got he's you. He's like, yeah, this chick's scared. I'm going to swoop in there. Yeah. Um, That's a good plan. So they come up with a plan now. That's when they're going to start trying to track down Hugh. Yep. They follow up on all the leads they have of Hugh. And this is one of my favorite scenes of this film um i forget how they get onto it but they go to a school oh no no they go to his house first that's where it all starts at yeah the the house that he said uh-huh. that he or that he lived in that he was squatting in and they explore the whole house and i have a note about the house because this is kind of crazy let me find it that while you're looking for that and let, until i got it, it. Okay. it's about the style of the house it's called an american foursquare which was super popular in the 1890s to the 1930s and floor plans of this always have a circular traffic pattern so that you can go through different rooms and all go back to the starting point without having to reverse your path. So it would be like kitchen, vestibule, living room, dining room, kitchen, and you could just circle that easily. Hmm. Um, and then also that has stuff like adjoining bedrooms would sometimes then share closets and bathrooms so you could pass room to room like through the closet or through the bathroom. And it's a very fluid style of floor plan and if you're thinking about that and then why Hugh picked this, it makes it very desirable if you needed to escape because you've always got another direction you can oh, go. Very nice. Yeah, that's yeah. Such a subtle little thing, but in the very scope subtle. of what's going on, it's like such a meaningful decision they made. Which seems to be a regular thing for David Robert Mitchell. Yes, he's an amazing director. Um, the, the thing that gets me is when they find his little like mattress yeah. or whatever, and he like has a bunch of... like jizz tissues all over yes. some uh <laughs> some nudie mags that they like that paul picks up and like brushes off um but what's it's kind of creepy because paul's sitting there just like casually flipping through porno mags like um but turns out there was uh, there's good reason to do it because he does find a picture of hugh in high school high school yeah high school because it's an older picture yeah <laughs> uh with another girl um, they recognize the letter jacket, mm-hmm. um, and so they go check the high school. Or he's a 21-year-old in high school, yeah, one or the other. I mean, he could have been like, held back. One of these days, I'm going to graduate. Um, when they go to his the high Eddie school. The- <laughs> yeah, this was the year. When they go to his high school, that's the scene I was thinking of, because you have this neat camera thing where the camera kind of spins, mm-hmm. and it's in a hallway, and you see like the hallway, and you see there's a classroom just off to the side, and then when it goes outside... There's someone walking toward the camera. Mm, kind of far away. Kind of really far away. And then it spins around more. And then we're back in the hall. And you see um, Jay and Greg. And they're coming in. They've got the photo. And they go into that classroom and start talking to the teacher. To be like, you know, hey, do you know who this is? Mm. Um, they start pulling yearbooks and mm. stuff and looking. Pans back out. That figure is even closer now. It's clearly it. Mm-hmm. And they don't even realize it's there. And just every every rotation of the camera, it's a little closer. Yeah. It's so good. And that's 
really one of the things I love about this quote monster mm-hmm. um, is just that you have no idea what it is. Right. There was talks of a sequel where they were going to like try to track down the origins of no, the thing, and no, I'm like, please no, God, man. don't do no. that. Like, no sequel to this. It, no. Well, it hasn't happened, and it's been since 2014, so I really don't think it's going to happen now. God, I hope not. Um, That's one of the things I love about this movie. Whatever it is is not overexplained. Mm-hmm. It you doesn't know, there, need to be. There's no scene with some psychic dumping a bunch of info about its backstory <laughs> and history. There's no scene of them going to the library and rolling through microfish, looking at old news articles and piecing it together. We don't need it. It's not necessary and it's not here. And I would hate if there's a sequel and it does. Well, that. and that's the thing with nightmare logic. You don't need that. Like right. it doesn't. It's a nightmare. You've... And it makes it a metaphor. It could be whatever the fuck you want it to be. Exactly. Um, well, now that they've gathered all the information they can, yeah, they learned his name is Jeff. So they go find him, Jeff Redman. Um, Jeff's out doing his thing, but freaking the fuck out all the time because he thought that. I guess he clearly thought by passing it along, he was. Well, it's, we know it's probably happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was going to kind of get to live his life, but he's still just freaking out all the time. Like he's still there. They've confronted him to get a little bit more of the story. I love how it works because they drive up on the house and at first just Jay goes up there. I think Greg's kind of lingering nearby in yeah. case. And the rest of them are just like chilling at the car. And then it's his mom that answers the door. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh yeah, Jeff's out back. You can come on in. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, bring your friends. Yeah. Now, this is something I didn't catch, but I see it in the synopsis here. Was the woman they saw at the old abandoned plant when you first you know, transmitted it to Jay... That woman, the naked woman, was supposed to be his mother? Yes. Okay. See, I, I never, I don't know why, but I didn't put that That together. happens a few times in the film, but they only give you like a little subtext to realize it was a certain character. I don't think, I didn't catch it, but it's it's so quick. Yeah. I think it's because it happens so early and then you don't see the right. mother till later. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to happen again. There's a specific. It's more, it's more explicit when it happens then. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, but he takes them all into the backyard and kind of they just sit down. Have a little chat about what's going on. That's when he tells them kind of the origin of how he got it. Yeah, this is where he says it was a one-night stand. He just was hooking up with someone, and then, boom, he got it. Uh, they basically don't really learn much. Yep, and he just says, all you got to do is just go pass it on. Yeah, you're a girl. You know, it shouldn't be a problem for you. <laughs> yeah. He drops all pretense of ever having cared about her at all yeah. at this point. Um. So now, and this is where I don't know if we want to pause here and talk about this for a second. So one of the big discussions about this film is that the whole it and what it is and everything with it is that it's a metaphor for a sexually transmitted disease. That's I, that's that's one you that's could, one obvious metaphor. Yes, that one I think is the most obvious. Mm-hmm. I think it's a disservice to the film to stop there, though. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's, I mean, on the surface, that is definitely the easiest thing to come to the conclusion of. It's also, and it's one of the one of the themes. Yeah, a movie could have multiple themes. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's kind of what I love about, like Jason already said, that this can be a meta because there's no backstory. The metaphor can be placed for anything you want it to be. The nightmare could be whatever your fear is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it could. I think it could easily have to do with like um, the fear of like. Fitting in, growing up, like I think growing up is the key, and I think yeah. at the end, I think it's it's fairly obviously explained by the quote that Yara reads. Yeah, but we'll get to that. I got it pulled out. Don't okay. worry. Yeah, I got it here too. <laughs> well, they decide now that they're going to with 
uh, Greg involved. Um, there's a place he knows that they can go. It's the old family lake house. And that they think they'll be safe. Mm-hmm. At least they can try to wait it out because it's a ways away. It'll take it a while to walk there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they basically all go there. They're going to try to wait it out. And they're kind of having like a normal... I don't know, they're they're kind of having like a it's almost like a weekend getaway type yeah. thing because they're like hanging out, hanging out. She's learning how to shoot a gun. Yeah, this slice could be its own horror film in another movie. Yeah, if you pulled it out, right? Um, but yeah, they teach her how to shoot a gun for her protection because they think you know, well, maybe we can shoot it and yeah, kill it. And so um, they're all kind of chilling there on the beach, and Kelly is very openly like trying to get Greg's attention. Mm-hmm. She's wearing like some kind of weird tube top thing um i don't know why it didn't work she's looking pretty good yeah i'm just gonna say it got my I'm, I'm gonna be honest <laughs> that's all i'm saying but uh greg's more interested in jay Which, anyway you know that's cool um what i what i love <laughs> what i really love about way that the way the scene works though is because you don't really see yara yeah and then she just comes along in the background yeah and so tube. you're seeing yara what you think is yara walking up behind them and you're like oh yara's coming so greg She's gets taking a walk or something yeah greg know. greg gets up and goes to take a leak and yara just keeps walking closer well then the camera turns and you see yara actually out in a floaty yeah out in the lake and you're like oh fuck <laughs> yeah that's not yara and cuts back to jay and there's nothing behind her at this point and you all you see is this this I remember when I first saw this, it was so great. You just see Jay's hair lift. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so perfectly done. Yeah. Um, and that's when everybody else sees it as well. Yeah. And it, like, rips her up, and she's fighting it or whatever. Paul tries to jump in. He grabs a chair. And grabs, he hits her with a chair. Grabs smashes a chair, it over it. Hits what, like, he can't see her. And he's obviously hitting something. But he hits it, and then Paul just gets fucking waylaid. Yeah, it's like a horse kicked him or something. Yeah, and knocked, like, 20 feet away. Like, it really kicked the shit out of him. So the thing obviously has supernatural strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and But breaking, like, the chair thing is obviously enough to get for Jay to get away. So she starts taking off running and she scrambles to this little shack that's on the beach. That's where they keep where the, the gun, gun is. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody makes it in. Uh, Paul, Kelly, Jay, make Paul's it got in. some nasty, like cuts on his stomach now. Yeah. Greg's still outside. Yeah. Greg is like trying to figure out what's going yeah, it's on. Like, yeah. What's going on? They <laughs> shut the door. They're like, bolt the door. Greg comes running and the door gets kicked. I think that, yeah, this is where, like, the door gets busted open or whatever. And it's she, the bottom chunk of the door. Yeah. It, like, something's um, busting through. Yeah, Greg is trying to get in or whatever. And so she starts saying, like, well, cl- clearly something busted. You saw this. Clearly something busted through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get that really creepy version of it. Yeah, it's like a... It's like a kid. Child almost, yeah. yeah. That climbs through the under, like, through mm-hmm. this open part of the door and, like, well, she makes it out. Oh, we missed one part because she's when they're being pursued by Yara. When it is in the form of Yara, she shoots at it and oh, hits yeah. it in the neck. Yeah, well, she and goes, it does bleed and it falls. She gets the gun and starts shooting, mm-hmm. and Greg is like down the yeah. field and like <laughs> has to fucking take cover yeah, behind a lawn chair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she does shoot it in the neck. It does bleed and it falls. Oh, and that boy too. We should say um, it's one of the neighbor kids. Oh, that was peeking on her. Yeah. I did Sneaking not. Sneaking out of peeking. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many like little little things that you don't see characters for long enough. Yeah, you and forget they, about them. And you don't remember that that's who they are. 
Which it, I think is on purpose. It rewards careful study. Yes. But it's on purpose because how many times do you see someone regularly and you actually wouldn't recognize them if, mm-hmm. you know, or they would be unassuming. You you wouldn't think anything about them. Uh, but she makes it out of this. There oh, were, but it's a big takeaway too from the shooting. Mm-hmm. It drops and then just gets right back right. up. Right, gets right back up. But there were two exits. Mm-hmm. So she was able to get out. She runs to the car. And just takes fucking off. takes the car and it's gone. Every, but I mean, why not? No, I mean, that's what I would coming do. coming for her. Right. It's not coming for I love for how it's shot, else. too, where it's like the camera's really up in her face as mm-hmm. she's driving off. Yeah. And you just see through the back window everybody else running after her being like, Jay, wait. Yeah. But what's cool is right behind them is it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's with it's among them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't even notice. Yeah. They don't notice. And the thing doesn't care about them. Right. Um, but yeah, now well, she she one of the this is where she works. Yeah, yeah. Some dude carelessly backing out on a well, she is going on a fast. farm. No, he should have known where he was going. Jeez, <laughs> oh, man. He wow. should have known there was a film crew there. Jesus. Jesus. All right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> no, she wrecks the car, breaks her arm. Uh, she wakes up in a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's pretty desperate at this point. Yeah, um, Greg is there, and at this point, she's like, "Why not?" Mm-hmm. You know. Greg's like all about it, and he's like, basically, encourages it. He says, "Hey, just pass it to me. I'll handle it." Yeah, I can handle it. Uh, <laughs> I rolled the dice on this one. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a very weird hospital bed sex. It's an interesting scene too because we get this camera pan and it's showing all the hospital rooms. Yeah, there's that voyeuristic thing again. And there's this li- there's little vignettes of like a family reunited with some like a parent that's ill mm-hmm. and then there's like a kid being spoken to by a doctor and you keep drifting over and then oh jay's sleeping with greg mm-hmm. they hospital fucking <laughs> um sorry uh, <laughs> so now essentially the curse or whatever is is gone from jay and now it's on to greg but notably well, it's still on her but yeah. yet the thing has to get greg first right which we Follow don't the chain we don't really know that yet do we uh, I think you or did you, you suggest had you okay. explain yeah. that yes. he made it clear you can still see it, but it's only coming for the current right bearer of this curse. So once she's out of the hospital and back home, Greg is um, she's got a wicked cast. Yeah, but she can see Greg's house across the street, mm-hmm. and you know during the night she hears a window break, and she looks down and sees. Well, she sees Greg walking toward the house first. Yeah. And she's kind of watching, like, why is he out there? He's, like, wearing lawn johns or something. Yeah. And he goes to the house, tries a door, doesn't open. And then he breaks the window with a rock, yeah. And that's right. when she's trying to call him. And he's not answering. This is another scene that made me think of Nightmare on Elm Street, when Nancy's trying to call Glenn across the street. I was going to bring, bring yeah. that up. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned yeah, it. she's even using, like, an old landline phone and everything. Because also, too, um, the part where she's running from the old woman at the school... That made me think of the nightmare in the school mm-hmm. in the original film. Right. That's why I said the whole where's your past thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. I just wanted to clarify that in case anyone didn't get that. <laughs> well, now Jay runs across the street to try to save Greg. Mm-hmm. And and she when she gets I there, this scene. she sees what we find out is Greg's mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a woman in a robe knocking on the door. Yeah, just banging on the door. And Jay's yelling, don't answer it, don't answer it. And, and Greg's like, what the fuck, Mom? Yeah, yeah. And she's half nude, you know, the robe's kind of open. Uh, Greg opens the door, and she just lunges him. Yeah. Um, but then this is where you see kind of how the thing kills. And uh, it's 
Yeah, Jay comes in and she's like humping. Uh, it's extremely sexual. Yeah. She's hump. like grinding him to death. Yeah, and then breaks but, in. But it looks like their arms are kind of fusing too in this almost Cronenbergian fashion, right? Or am I... A little bit, Was yeah. I imagining that? I it's think, subtle. I think when you got that level of, of grinding going on, things just like... <laughs> you get a full society thing going and like yeah. everybody's like... What do they call it in society in the society? Oh, the shunt. The shunt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get a full shunt going on there. <laughs> um... So yeah, but notably, Greg's dead now. That means Jay's back on the the target block. Yeah, and that wasn't even his stepmom. The so, cool thing yeah. is too is like where you really see how it works, and she's like yelling, "Don't answer it! Don't answer it!" And the mm. thing just looks at her and then looks back at the door. You yeah. know, like it's not interested in her. Yeah, I'll get back to you. <laughs> so Jay flees in terror, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. hits that car again and bolts. And this leads to one of the most mysterious scenes in the movie, I think. This is where they all try to go to that. Um, she spends the night outdoors, and she just sleeps on the car hood. Yeah. yeah. Very sad moment. The next morning, she's checking out the area nearby, and she's at a beach. Mm-hmm. And she looks out, and in the water, maybe it's the ocean, maybe it's a lake. <laughs> Probably a lake. Either way, there are uh, three hunky boys on a boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, boom, that light bulb. Pops over her head. Yeah. She starts walking into the water. And she undresses and she walks in, seems to be swimming out to the boat. And we cut. Hard cut. Yeah. So that kind of leaves it up to you. But then it does show her driving and she's sopping wet and her cast is wet and everything. So the question is... Did she go have sex with those boys? Yeah. What do you think, Michael? Uh, I don't think so. Hmm. In It Swallows, she most definitely does. (laughs) The thing that's interesting about it is we, we skip a little bit of time. It's vague, but it's clearly not been that long because she still has the cast on. Yeah. So then it's the thing of like, well, maybe she didn't, and then that's why it's just back at her again. Or maybe she did, and if she didn't explain anything... They're going to be dead fast. They're going to go just like Greg. Especially if they're all together. Yeah. You know? I had a... I don't know. I mean, now that you put that, it's a totally logical thing. I guess in my mind... Where, where I was thinking when she saw the people on the boat was what if I went and lived on a boat or can the thing go... I'm sorry. Do you guys sorry. think this would work better as a play? <laughs> you, you sweet, sweet summer child. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really am. Uh, That's funny. But then I think she was trying to wonder if the thing could swim. Well, it could walk on the bottom of the water. Exactly, but can it swim up to her if she lived on a boat? See, this is why I'll survive and y'all... You all will have sex with the weird thing. <laughs> um, anyways, it's an interesting thing to think about. It doesn't really impact the outcome of the film, but um, it really sets up a kind of the moral quandary that you get put into having this curse. Right. And then you kind of... At least, you know, you, Jeff, explained it to her. If well, she had sex with these guys, it didn't really say anything. And clearly that moral quandary has happened already because it's still coming for somebody mm-hmm. and then you have to ask the question if it got the person who was the last one well i guess it would have to go back to the next one and back on down the line yeah but people keep choosing to pass it on and mm-hmm. keep choosing um what's that there's a what's the study uh they reference it in the good place about like if you had to throw the, like if you're on a train and you had to run over people or whatever 
Oh, yeah. You could throw the switch and just kill one person who's like your friend or something. Yeah. Or kill other people who you don't like so much. Yeah. And it, it's kind of yeah. like, and yeah. you're, you're always put in that position as mm. to which do you do? Uh, or do you kill three people you don't know? Or do you kill one person you do know? Kind of a thing. And it's like everybody keeps choosing the shitty option. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now this is where they come to the idea that they're going to lure the thing and try to kill it. It's a great plan. It's a solid plan. It has my blessing. But before that, Paul is like, look, just pass it to me. Oh, this is right. This, yeah, is, this is the scene you want to This talk is about, the scene it? that pisses me oh, off. He says, yeah. you know, I believe you. I believe it's a real right. thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll do something about it. I'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. And when he tells about what pisses me off and the line that changes Paul for me completely is where, from where he goes to the just kind of pining friend to total dirtbag is when he says, why did you choose him? See, I don't think that's a dirtbag. I think it's very harsh of Paul. I think it's a fair question. I mean, if you if you're crushing on someone, and you know, but if you break it down, it's like why did? Because at this point, I think he believes her, but he's also still hung up. But it's not like he was being mean to her. He no. wasn't like yelling at her and fussing at but her. But like, it was you still didn't pick me. But it was you know? still like it was real casual to me. Yeah, like, I why did so you? Too. But I just don't like the question. You know, I don't like the question of like why did you not? Ha- why did you have sex with him and not me? When it's really comes down to, that's just not a question you need to ask of somebody who's going through that much trauma. Like, I don't know. But that's also put expecting a lot of humanity out of people. And <laughs> these are just normal people. So I'm going to side with Jason on this one. All right. Thank you. you. Don't, you've sided with Jason the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's a college. She's not going to live on a and I'll, I'll get to my point with it. That We'll get to it later. But... Um, I'm just going to throw it out there. Paul's the man with the plan. He at least does have the plan. And people, some people have criticized this plan for being stupid. And yeah, it is kind of stupid, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a kid's plan. It's a bunch of younger people, young adults. And they'd have no research, no info. And it does make sense. We don't get the big info dump of like, you have to go here. And it was on the night that this thing died. You have to bury the body and then it will be at rest. No, none of that. They don't know anything. You're right. But what they choose to do is... Um, they're going to have Jay get in this pool. Big old pool. And they're going to put electrical devices all around the side of the pool. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try to lure the thing in. Once it's in there, Jay's going to get out of the pool and they're going to chuck the electrical devices in and fry it. And fry it. Yep. Um, which They've tried shooting it. They know that doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. not. It's really not a bad plan. No, you just don't want her to be in the water when it happens. Yeah, that, that part's a little bit risky. Um but we get this kind of big setup, and, and you're kind of wondering if it's going to come. It does. Well, I want to talk about the the going of, uh, to get there. Mm-hmm. There's like a really like haunting like trip that they take to go there where right. they're walking past all these old dilapidated houses. And Yara even gives this little speech as they're going, which I wrote down because I thought it was interesting. She says, uh, when I was a little girl, my parents would not allow me to go south of 8 Mile. And I did not even know what that meant until I got older. And I started realizing that that was where the city started and the suburbs ended. And I used to think about how shitty and weird that was. I mean, I had to ask permission to go to the state fair with my best friend and her parents only because it was a few blocks past that border. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that kind of metaphors this idea about, like, to me, the loss of innocence, which I think is definitely a a theme in this film. Oh, yes. Okay, Michael, we can go on. I just, <laughs> I just thought that scene was significant. It was. 
I just glossed right. You're over also it. seeing all these dilapidated buildings, like you said, as as they're going, and it's just reinforcing that theme of growing old and decay and the inevitability of death. Yes, this is I think the one of the haunting things about this movie. Movies mm-hmm. that ask real question, real horror questions to me, mm-hmm. are the ones that really sit with you and make you think. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so they get everything all set up for mm-hmm. this plan, and it does finally show up. I and, love this part. And she says, it's here. Oh, we missed a part we really need to go back for, though. When they set out to go to the pool, um, as they're pulling away, it is up on top of the house. Right. Oh, yeah. Full, full frontal nude dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just standing on top of the house. It's just kind of a creepy image. Hanged on, too, right up there. Which I've seen a lot of people criticize this scene because they say, like, why is it up there? Because it wants to be. And I think this is where that dream logic that you're talking about, Michael, comes in. Does it really matter why it's up there? Yeah. Also, uh, you slash Jeff, the rules he presented were through his observation. Mm -hmm. Who knows what this thing's capable of? Yeah. Maybe it can just appear wherever it wants to. Well, and it does specifically, Hugh did tell her that he thinks it does things to piss you off or to like get to you more. Mm -hmm. And so it... I mean, to me, like, I don't need to break down its logic or whatever because I don't need to, but I don't think it, for the people who think that that doesn't make sense, like, if its goal is to terrify you, you know, and eventually kill you, then it knows it can't catch you in the car, so just making itself seen is enough to remind you that it's there. You know, like, it's full-blown Michael Myers. Yeah. Like, it's going to get you. It's going to take its time. It's not going to do it right now. But but I'm also going to remind you that I'm still here. Yeah. And so that you can't rest easy. Right. Um, Now, was this the same form on the house that it takes in the pool? I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, The form it takes at the pool is very significant. Yes. I'll just go ahead and say it now. It's uh, Jay and Kelly's father. And I love it when Kelly asks what it looks like. And and she says, I I don't want to tell you. Mm -hmm. And we never see him in the film. He's clearly something must have happened to him. We've seen pictures here and there. If you're yeah, we see the pictures on the wall, yeah. and, we and that's that, how you know his appearance. But and it's we, never like highlighted. Mm-hmm. There's never a big red flashing light. This is my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so what I gathered was suicide because of, it could be anything. That's it, it really could it. be. It could maybe that's what they I they could have been it. abused by this guy. He could have just up and left. He could have just had the a tragic go, accident and died. Go back to is Greg's mother saying that family's always had problems. Yeah, yeah. Had problems. And right. uh, but we do know that her mom. We haven't mentioned it yet. Their, her mother has a drinking problem. Yep. Um, they usually wait for her to pass out. You know, mm-hmm. that's how they know. Like she drinks until she passes out. She's always, you know, that. Yeah. So there's been some sort of trauma that's driven her to that, or maybe she was always like that. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she says, "I don't want to tell you," and I, lo- I'm with you. I yeah. fucking love that line. Right. Um, and the thing is clearly <laughs> smarter than them and starts chucking the shit into yeah, the pool. Chucking appliances. This is uh, this is where it starts breaking all the rules that you perceive to exist. Um, well, but then now this quote that happened in the movie that they were watching at the very beginning comes into play. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you know the line? I don't. No. no. I, don't, but it I was, didn't write that down. It was something about that um, they had this idea, but there wasn't enough electrical current to make a shock or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what happens. There's not enough charge or enough electrical current to really shock someone in the pool. So you, you kind of think that it might fry Jay, um, yeah. but it doesn't. 
So that's where they learn that their plan is clearly flawed in general. And then Paul brings out the gun, because why not? (laughs) Why the hell not? Paul starts... Well, it's because he's... The... It is... Got her underwater, right? Well, it's grabbed her at the edge of the pool. Yeah. And so Paul decides to just shoot it plain air, Mm -hmm. not knowing. Well, he ends up hitting Yara right in the leg. Poor Yara. She goes down. Nobody seems to give a (laughs) shit. (laughs) She's over there bleeding out, and everybody's like, oh, we'll deal with this thing. Kelly goes and checks on her. Kelly checks on her, and Kelly's the one that actually is the one who has the smartest move. Yep, she grabs the blanket, and they throw it over it. And so we actually get an outline of it. Paul shoots at it a couple times. And, and there's then, an amazing blood spray, too, where they just ream it right in the head. Yeah. yeah. But he, it's because he walks up yeah. and, like, point blank just blows it away. It falls in the pool. Um, and then Jay's trying to get out of the pool, but the thing comes back to life again. Um, grabs her by the foot and starts pulling under. Super cool scene. Uh, I'd love to know how they shot it of her like squirming and looking like she's trying to swim away in the pool, but she can't move. Yeah. Um, Paul is aiming over her, trying to find the thing, and he shoots. He's shooting into the water, yeah. And gets it in the head again. Yeah. And it just kind of floats down to the bottom and drifts away. Mm-hmm. She gets out of the pool, and there's just this red cloud of blood just filling the pool. An unnatural looking red oh, cloud yeah. of yeah. blood. So yeah. it's clearly something. And then notably, she has marks on her leg, like the kind of like when you think of like a ghost grabs a person and like squeezes or something and yeah. leaves a handprint, mm-hmm. or also the handprint of an abuser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. definitely Ooh. could think about that catch yeah. in there. And there was a weird metaphor thing earlier. I wanted to go back to once we talked about this. Um, I think it's when they're at the lake house and one of the times they're hanging out. Jay's just kind of playing with some grass and she lays out like five oh, yeah. on herself. And it kind of is like, it's similar to like almost like the lines you would think of like if someone's cutting themselves yeah. or it could be also a parallel to this like phantom hand that's on her now. Right. Hmm. You can take it different ways, but it's another interesting time where this film sets something up and then there's a callback later. Right. So now, presumably... The thing is dead. Maybe? <laughs> Question mark? There's, there's no body. But in, I think in Jay's mind and in Paul's mind, they've done something. They do something. Yeah. They uh, have sex, finally. They do. They have a sexual encounter. They do. Very consenting sexual encounter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the final scene of the film. And this is where the, my man Paul busts out that plan, the real plan, to stop it from plaguing them. He goes on a little stroll, uh-huh. a little drive. Checking out some sex workers. Find, finds a few uh, sex workers. And and we, again, we don't see anything. We don't see what happens here. We don't know what happens. Does he stop? You know, does he not? But the, the last shot's fantastic. Oh, I love the ending. Fucking of this movie. amazing. Right back to the Halloween reference again. Yep. Um, Jay and Paul are just walking down their little suburban street and they're holding hands just together and. It's really an interesting shot because something about the way they look here and the way they're just the way they're acting, they feel more mature now. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly everything they've gone through. You know, it's like that that innocence is now gone. Now they are like mature adults at this point. Right. However, and in the far background, you see this figure just walking behind them. I love how ambiguous it is. Yeah. Is it? Is it not? Yeah. Is it someone on that street just right. walking or 
You don't know. Who knows? And that's where it ends. Fucking amazing ending. Just yeah, it's a perfect ending. There's no resolution. It's still all hanging there. Mm-hmm. They've gone through this arc, and it does have a defined ending, but um, it's something that's going to plague them forever, potentially. Prime for the sequel, where they can go no. down to <laughs> the basement of the library and start no. running, through, no. running through paper reels and come across from 1921. <laughs> there was an old man in a house. <laughs> it burned down. But so in the scheme of this, isn't Paul's plan the best? If if you if you go through with that, uh, you know, sleep with a sex worker, then they're gonna pass it to people. Sure. They're gonna presumably be having a lot of sex with a lot of people. And then presumably their clients will also be that also endangers more people. It does. There's the same logic again. Do you Yeah. Do you perpetuate it or do you It's always reminded me a lot of the ring. I was going to bring that up, yeah. Okay, I thought you might. I thought you might. It's that same thing if you have to make that choice of, do you let it end with you? Yeah. Or for the sake of... Keep perpetuating you justify it. it perpetuate yeah. it further. What would you do? Uh, what do you think I would do? You'd totally pass it on. Yeah, totally. I'd pass it on. Yeah, I don't know. I'd want to say that I wouldn't, but I'd, I'd pass it on pass someone it on. I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) come here Mike get over here (laughs) so one of the other interpretations I want to talk about and it's kind of the one I lean on a lot so we've got this idea that okay it's a sexually transmitted disease sure that's one interpretation um, let me find it I have it in my notes Uh there's even some just to give credence to this I don't like to have that be the only interpretation because I feel like if that's your whole it's too simplistic take away from the movie it runs into some problems because you get into like the people that have it are seeking intentionally to give it to other people yeah. to save themselves. And that's not, that's a little unfair, I think. Yeah. And that's also not how sexual diseases work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you, if you do enjoy that angle, that's your interpretation. You can definitely draw a correlation between Jay being infected with this haunting and stuff like uh, late stage symptoms of syphilis, which can cause uh, general paresis um, and dementia, hallucination, uh, manic delusions, all kinds of stuff like that. Hmm. So if you if you're really riding that line and like trying to stay to that, a lot of the symptoms of what it is as far as it's affecting her, you could draw some parallels there. Sure. But for me, what I like to, what really like struck me the first time I watched it, to me, it is just a metaphor for death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't stop it. You can't stop it. It's always coming for you. You don't know when it's going to get you. You can maybe do some things to delay it, but eventually, inevitably, it's going to come for you. We do all these things in our lives to like try to trade for time, mm-hmm. you know. And and in, and in reality, we have no idea when it will happen. And so, at the end of the film, uh, it's uh, when Yar is in the hospital, being treated for her <laughs> her gunshot wound. Uh, they check in on her. It's the little scene, but she's finished reading the idiot, and she kind of gives one of these like quotes from it. And it says, um, but here I should imagine the most terrible part of the whole punishment is not the bodily pain at all, but the certain knowledge that in an hour, then in ten minutes, then in half a minute, then now, this very instant, your soul must quit your body and that you will no longer be a man, and that this is certain, certain. And that to me is like, boom, here is the thesis statement of the film. Ooh. <laughs> Excuse me, chills. I love I love good execution oh, yeah. on a movie. Absolutely. I think the first time you watch it, 
like the first time I saw it, the the metaphor of STDs, HIV, AIDS was like very being very heavily pushed by outlets. So it's mm-hmm. hard to not see that when you yeah, first well, see it. Conservatives love that sort of thing, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> of course. But when you watch it for the second time, which this was only my second time watching it, but I think when you watch it for the second time, that's when the film shines more. Mm-hmm. Because you really get a chance to say, okay, I've, I've watched it with those glasses on. Right. Now I get to really watch it and look for other things mm-hmm. and like really examine what it does for me, what things I see in it. It's definitely rewatchable. It, like Dustin said, it rewards you rewatching it. So I hope... And I copied down for us. Well, finish your thought. Well, I was going to say, I really hope that from this episode specifically, that you guys would write in and tell us what you thought. Oh, yeah. Because I've looked online. There's all kinds of interpretations of what, what's Which, going on in this movie. That's fine, but I don't really give a shit about them. I really right. just want to know like what... You guys who are listening to this episode, who've made it like an hour and 20 minutes now with us, like, what do you, if, and after you've watched it, what do you think it's about? Because our listeners have great taste and they recommend us to watch things like It Follows. Yeah. I mean, and it, and maybe for you it is just the STD thing, and that's totally and fine. That is, yeah, that's totally fine. It's totally You're valid. wrong, but it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely valid, but I think that's one of the things that we try to do is uh, try to force you to think about things a little bit deeper, maybe, than just first watch impressions. Mm hmm. And I should say, I won't go deeper with it, but there's a ton of parallels in The Idiot to this film as well, and whole, the whole like loss of innocence and the inevitability of death and all that stuff. Sure. It's also very Freudian. Mm-hmm. There's the whole Eros and Thanatos, you know, sex um, and death going on. But I copied down from us, this is actually a quote from Mitchell about people asking, like, well, what is it? How does mm-hmm. it work? And he said, uh, I'm not personally that interested in where it comes from. To me, it's dream logic in the sense that they're in a nightmare. And when you're in a nightmare, there's no solving the nightmare, even if you want to try to solve it. And then he later added, too, that um, while Jay opens herself up to danger through sex, the one way in which she can free herself from that danger is also sex. And he said, uh, we're all here for a limited amount of time, and we can't escape our mortality. But love and sex are two ways in which we can at least temporarily push that death away. Yep. It's real deep, man. My man. It is. Real deep. It's good stuff. Why isn't he doing more stuff? I don't know that Under the Silver Lake was that well received, but... Because it's not that great? God, man, start a Kickstarter. I'm, I'm in. But surely Throwing somebody... All the like, how, Maybe he's working on... I mean, COVID did fuck everything How much up. did you say this made, cost? Like $1 million or something? Yeah. Sure, somebody can front him $1 million. <laughs> You would think so. <laughs> to make another movie? Hmm? Of course, he may not be interested in doing another horror film. That's true. Maybe not. I'll watch whatever he makes at this point. I mean, shit. Alex Garland said he's hanging it up, so. Really? Yeah. His uh, next one's going to be his final directorial one. Ooh. And he's moving back to writing. He's I mean, a great writer, he too. He's a great writer, yeah. but it's still like, oh. Yeah. He's so good. Oh, well. So maybe it's one of those is it better to, to fade out or burn out or fade away? <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, let's see. I'm, you got any fun notes? I'm scouring mine for anything. Um, you've pretty much hit all the things that I yeah. came across oh the metaphor of water so we've got the little pool she's in at first it's pleasant and safe kind of womb like isn't it womb like they have all these nice memories of growing up there and being in that pool and then now in the present we've got these bigger pools of water like lakes the ocean public swimming pools adult life and they're all associated with it the danger of this adult life um, the first girl gets killed on the shore of a lake. Jay and Hugh go to a shore. 
just before he passes the curse on. Um, in the classroom, just before we see the old woman out in the the quad mm-hmm. of the college. <laughs> Um, the camera pans across some cardboard that's got text on it, and it says, Required reading, The Old Man in the Sea. Yeah. Uh, when Jay meets the woman who's pissing herself in the kitchen, the three paintings that you see just before that happens, one is a painting of the ocean, and you noticed it earlier, too, I think, when they're hanging out on the couch. And the other two both depict lakes. Hmm. The urine is also what. <laughs> yes, and also that night when she sits up with Paul, the movie they're watching uh, has a blonde woman. She's in the ocean being attacked by a monster. Uh-huh. Uh, when the little boy comes for her, they're at the, the the little like shack by the lake, and then our big showdown is there to pool. Mm-hmm. A lot of water connections. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then his next film, Under the Silver Lake. Ooh, think this about dude that. hates water. Uh, well, we, we really not mince words on how we feel about it, but we can do the official. Sure, yeah. yeah uh, Jason, yeah. what you got? Uh, yeah, actually, you know, this is the first time I've seen it since the theater, too, which is interesting. Because I, I, I picked up the blue, always meant to go rewatch it, just never got around to it. Um, but I liked it as much the second time, if not more, than I did the first time. And I really loved it the first time. So I don't just buy movies that much anymore, unless it's something I really like. Yeah. Um, uh, giving it a star rating, I would probably go with four stars. Mm-hmm. What's your hold back? You know, I don't know exactly. I mean, I think it's a very good, solid film, but it just doesn't feel like a five star film. Not me. enough wiener. <laughs> yeah, it needs more wiener. He's only one. Yeah. And it was kind of blurred from a distance. Yeah. Well, if it had been an A24 film, we would have. <laughs> would have got us over the line. I mean, it's a good question. Why is this not a five star film for me? I don't know. What do you guys give it? I'm at a five. Five? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Any film to me that gets better with, like, when I first saw it, I probably would have given it a four. Mm-hmm. But any film for me that just keeps getting better and better and better with each watch is a five. Mm. Just because it's like that film is challenging me to do something more with it. Yeah. Um, and and while I don't have any problems with films that don't do that, like that, not every, it, it's not a, every movie shouldn't set out to do that. Sure, that's not what I'm saying. But the ones that do, that I've gone back and rewatched and keep catching things, or it's making me view view something from a different angle, yeah, or make me think about something differently. That's gonna sit at a five for me, pretty much. Hmm. Hmm. I think maybe with the exception of, um, oh shit, we did it. Hold the dark. Oh yeah. I don't think that one was at a five, even though it made me think about different things. That one had some other holdbacks. And making up excuses to make the plot work. Yeah, that had some holdbacks of its own. But this one is just, (laughs) you know, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, STDs. Totally see that. It's a great metaphor. And then this time I'm like, oh, it's so much more. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So I don't know. And well acted. Perfectly shot. Mm -hmm. We we can't understate, too, the score and just how impactful it is. The score is fantastic. I dig it. Five. Okay, so I'm going to thread this through for you guys. The first time I watched it, I was decidedly a four. I was like, I love the aesthetics, Mm -hmm. love the visuals, love the concept, love the effects. The music is so amazing. I ran out and bought the soundtrack immediately. It's uh, When I do like tabletop role-playing games, I I incorporate music if I can. 
And the It Follows soundtrack is like a go-to if I'm doing like a modern horror kind of game. I can see like that. I'll always put that in the mix. Nice. Uh, so I just love the score of this one. I can't stress that enough. But my hang-ups were all, uh, the first time, all on the lore of It. And I really did fall into that like, well, this doesn't add up, and why is it doing this, and this contradicts that. Mm-hmm. And those bothered me so much that like I couldn't get past it. And so I was like, well, it's really good, but it's got some flawed logic. Uh, four stars. And that was a popular criticism of the film. I think there's even like a... I didn't save it because I don't care, but... <laughs> there's a Tarantino quote where he really reams on the film about like... It could have been yeah. great, and it had all this awesome lore, but then it contradicted itself. Yeah, that's blah, 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 asinine, blah, blah. asinine. Um, and I do love Tarantino. Sure. And I love his films. But he's but, an ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, too harsh. And so, watching it this second time, I think that's where this idea of the dream logic thing really hit me. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder if it's thanks to movies like Come True to have like made me more comfortable to that idea and how it can be executed well. I really didn't get bothered by that this time. And so now I'm like, well, I don't really have a thing that I hate about it or any flaws I can find too much. Like, I guess maybe if you really dug, I could pick something and be like, ah, maybe this scene's too long or mm-hmm. maybe that's not needed or whatever. But man, I, I love the cast. I love the visuals. There's so many amazing like scare gags and camera work and the music. And God, it's top tier horror, man. Just All right. so good. So five stars five all the stars. way. Five stars, okay. You and Jordan Peele. Yeah. Putting it up there. Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, if you've also been curious about um, to any of the other movies we talked about, we also do have an episode on Under the Silver Lake, mm-hmm. which you can go back and check out if you like. You can listen to how much Jason hated that movie. I didn't hate it. <laughs> and you can listen to me and Dustin go on about our theories about it. We also yep. talked about the movie Come True quite a bit, which was a, a more recent that one I love. Listener episode oh, so that um, that we absolutely love. So feel free to go back and check that one out. And because um, this is a listener episode, I do want to say, please, please send us movie suggestions that we should check out and cover for the show. Absolutely. Keep They've all been them. so good. Um, so this also, uh, when we hit a listener episode, it also demarks the time that we are moving into a different block. Yep. So we just wrapped up our anthology film. And I want to say, what a great block that had been it was i had so much fun doing those films it was one covering them and researching and god the show notes have been out of control <laughs> just so many movies and references and connections and ah that's happens when you have like seven or eight stories in one movie yeah well normally i tell you guys pre-episode what block i'm going to choose and what movie i'm going to do uh, but i'm going super super out of my comfort zone and I'm hitting a genre or a theme that I have never seen a single film from. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, we have no idea what it yeah, is. Yeah, we're in the dark. This is happening live. I am going for Indian cinema. Indian oh. cinema. Now, I'm specifically not saying Bollywood. Okay. Because Bollywood is its own cinema. Sure. So, basically, anything from... I'm going to say Hindi language. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also still... could include Because there's multiple different forms of Hindi right. in India. So... I'm going to say as long as it is from an Indian, from somewhere in the country of India. Okay. Because really, Bollywood, that should be its own segment we do sometime down the road. Because there's like Bollywood and like Tollywood, I think, is another Mm. one. So like all the different regions of India have a lot of their own film studios. This is a genre, subgenre. I'm not crazy familiar with either. That's kind of why I chose it. I have one film in my back pocket, and it'll probably be my pick, but we'll see. Cool. Because there's one movie I love that 
falls into this. The okay. cool thing is, is since I uh, don't know shit about this, I just basically had to hit the internet and start looking at like okay. what are some films that would be great for an intro, like for a jump on for an American audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came across one that's everyone seems to really really like. It's also horror, um, and it's called Tumbad. Oh my god, that would have that would have been my pick. So I'm glad you picked it. Oh really? <laughs> Was yeah. that the one that you had? I've yes. been meaning to watch that one for ages. I have been trying to get people to watch this all the time because it blew my fucking mind. I've been like, Jason, you got to watch it. Yeah. you got to watch it. Okay, well, I'm glad that you've seen it, and it is good. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen it. I mean, we'll so. see what you guys think, but... Um, this is actually streaming on Prime. Mm-hmm. So I was, And I was also specifically trying to find something that would be easy to get because, God, if we started going down that rabbit hole of like, well, where do you <laughs> find this? Well, you're going to have to subscribe to this one particular service that carries a lot of Hindi language films. Mm-hmm. But no, Tumbad is... Um, is available on Prime. I'm sure Dustin's got the blue. I don't know if it has a Blu-ray. Oh, interesting. If it does, I'm going to go buy it before we do the episode. Um, Hell yeah. So, yes. Well, now I actually am really glad I chose it because that doesn't give you an out. Now yep. you have to do the now same I have shit to go, that I did. Yeah. Uh, I came across a lot of others that had really cool premises um, that sounded super cool. One of them had like a three-hour runtime, though, and I was like, well, Jason's out. So. <laughs> It's all about, it's all about... Uh, and we should say, name? our podcast is served to Ghana, which is like the, uh, was it, like a podcasting platform for India, yeah. specifically. And I know we get some hits off of it, so hello out there. So you're, what, yeah, you're tuning everyone. in from Ghana. And what I'm really, Thank really you. hoping to is, please, if you are of Indian descent or speak Hindi or whatever, please understand that we are three white dudes that live in Kentucky that are going to really struggle through a lot of pronunciations. Yeah, we but we're I'm, sorry in advance. But I'm going to do my research as much as possible so that I do not butcher these names completely horribly. But I'm actually pretty excited about this block because... Awesome. This is our first like world cinema. And you ain't going to yeah. throw anything that I've seen. So it's going to be... I think it's going to be fun. So Killer. Except you've Killer. seen this one, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so until next time thank you guys so much for uh constantly interacting with us on our socials thanks for sending in um movie suggestions please keep doing it because yes. we keep a stockpile of them and um merciful benevolent gods we are choose them as we as we feel fit <laughs> for free no no patreon no fees yeah, no you nothing gotta, you ain't gotta pay us shit we don't even have anything that you can chip us money. No. I mean, you, I mean, if you really want to. We'll get shirts and stickers one day. And I don't know. Maybe. Someday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll give you something for your money. <laughs> oh, I'll give you something all right for oh, your God. money. Um, okay. Anyway. <laughs> That's the end of the show, I think. Yeah, so. I think I'll just fade out on that one. Bye, um, everyone. <laughs> as always, you guys have been listening to Genre Exposure. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening